I'm going to just back up a little bit because Romans 8.15 talks about the fact that we have received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And in Galatians 3 verse 26, it says the same. In fact, from verse 26, I think it's from verse 26, he goes over in chapter 4 to say the same thing. But this is what he says. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Is that good? So should we start there? So look at the person next to you and say, you have faith in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you are a son of God. Amen. So you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So how many sons of God do we have here this morning? Plenty, plenty of us. Amen. We're all sons of God. Say, I'm a son of God. I've received the spirit of adoption. And by the spirit, I cry, Abba, Father. God is my father. I'm his child. And we are in a family intimate relationship he loves me and i love him and i'm led by his spirit his spirit is the spirit of adoption his spirit makes me what jesus is a son of god good awesome are you ready so go with me to romans chapter 8 in Romans chapter 8, I want to, and in the NIV translation, I'm going to just take you through it a little bit. And I want to just expound that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Is that okay? So let me ask again, how many sons do we have here? Every hand should go up, okay? So let's go on to Romans chapter 8. I've been talking about in Christ the last couple of weeks and I've been talking about the fact that in Christ is something very legal not legalistic but legal and it's legal in three sense of the word in other words the whole work of salvation everything that it took to take you out of Adam out of your old sinful nature and place you into Christ was something that God did legally in keeping with his own holiness and own righteousness. If he had just, without Jesus, if he did not send Jesus, he had just forgiven you, he would have been illegal. He would have compromised his own holiness. And so he was just, righteous, holy in the process of making us the righteousness of God in Christ. Is that okay? So number two, it's legal in this sense. That the only way that you can receive forgiveness, the only way you can receive the all things in Christ is through what Jesus did on the cross. Any other way is illegal. If it's illegal, then it's illegitimate. You know, so often Bev says, yeah, there must be a way of making money. We've said this to each other in the past. And I've said, I know lots of ways, but they're all illegal and illegitimate. Most of our government is involved in doing that, and our police force, unfortunately. But it's illegal and illegitimate. And so the only other way, so in other words, I cannot present my own righteousness. In other words, I can't try and get right by the works of the law and try and get right with Jesus. Number one, I can't. Number two, the attempt is illegal because the legal process has been made, and I just accept it by faith. Now, that's good news. You can say Amen. And the third thing is, it means that if I am in Christ, it means that I have legal rights. Legal, legitimate rights. In other words, everything Jesus says I can have, it's legitimately, legally, I have a right to have them. Woohoo! Is that good? 
It means that you have rights to become and to be the sons and the children of God. It's your things by right. So number four then, what it also is showing us, that anything less than what Christ has obtained for us on the cross is an injustice. And God wants justice to be done. He wants you to have all the benefits of the legal outcome of what he accomplished for us in the court of heaven and, and now becomes the throne of grace for us. Is that okay? Is that clear? Does everybody understand that? So by rights, you are children of God. Don't let the enemy cheat you of your rights as a child of God. Don't be short of anything that Jesus obtained for you on the cross by right. So I want to just talk about it. We're going to follow through in Romans chapter 8. We're going to go through some scriptures very quickly. But Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no. Everybody say no. Absolutely nothing. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So I want to just talk about it and take you through it a little bit this morning, but let's just carry on reading. He says, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So then it continues, and so he condemned sin in the flesh, he broke its power, in order that, everybody say, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live not according to the flesh but according to the spirit how many of you know i said to you as a means of salvation the law is out but the law is still an expression of the holiness of god so what is what is the righteous requirement of the law what is it what is the law, it still stands as an expression of the character and holiness of God. And it requires something of us. What does it require? So to help you to answer, if, if someone was able to fulfill the whole law, they would be declared what? Righteous. So the requirement of the law then is what? So the righteous requirement of the law is I need you to be what? So now, apart from the law, by putting my faith in Jesus because what he did, the law says, I demand righteousness. Before Jesus, it would look at us and say, guilty, 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 guilty. That's all it could do. But now, that same law, that same righteousness of God looks at us and says, righteous, 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 righteous. Is that okay? So the righteous requirement of the law is fully met in us. We are now righteous, who live not according to the law, not according to flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the Spirit is what I want to focus on this morning. But let's continue. And then he goes on. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset and what the flesh desires. But no, let's, let's leave that. We'll come back to that. But go down to verse 14. Verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, 
the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are sons of God. Now, He says led. So the first thing I want to do over here is talk about the fact that we're sons of God. The next thing I want to talk about is adoption. I just did a little quick run through on the internet again last night, and they all talk about the Roman view of adoption is where you go and you find this little child that doesn't have parents, and you say, oh, shame, come, and then you give the child your name, your bank account, you make out your will, your inheritance to the child, but it's not your flesh and blood. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about the Roman view of adoption. He's talking about the Jewish, the Eastern view of adoption, where you take your child, at the age of 30, when they come of age, and you place them in your family as adopted, and you hand over the business to them at age of 30. Now, when Jesus was baptized, and he came up out of, some of you are looking at me really strange now, like, believe me, I am right, those other guys are wrong, uh, humbly. So, when Jesus was baptized, and he came up out of the water, heavens opened, the Spirit descended, the voice from heaven said, this is with whom I am. Listen to him. Is that right? The spirit came upon him. The spirit of what? Adoption. Did he not have a father? Yes, he did. But he was now placed. Luke says, next verse, Luke says, and Jesus being about 30 years of age began his ministry. What was that? His adoption. His placement as a mature son. So we've received the spirit of adoption from God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. So he comes to us who are children under the slavery of the law. And he comes and says, let me take you out under the law, under that guardianship, under that tutelage of the law. And let me place you as mature sons. From now on, you don't look at an informal set of rules and try and conform. No, now my spirit is inside of you. And then you live like my son. So it's a spirit of adoption. Is that okay? The spirit of adoption, um, God is treating you as a son. He's treating you as a mature son. Every conversation the Holy Spirit has with you is a conversation of maturity. It's a conversation of sonship. Isn't that awesome? Saturday morning, I was about 10 to 5. I was, um, you know, got dressed normal time. And so from 6 o'clock, I was praying in the lounge. And I just thought, you know, let me just pray like I normally do. So I was walking around the kitchen in the lounge. And immediately, Chad and Angela Bowman. Who are they? I know who they are. You know, Chad and Angela Bowman. And I'm thinking, what? And I'm going, so I'm just walking around and around, kitchen, dining room, lounge. And I just feel like I need to pray that the strong hand of God comes on Chad and God lifts him up and gives him visions like Ezekiel. I start and I'm praying and I feel like I'm presenting him perfect and mature before Christ, like Paul said. I carry on praying, and I feel like to tell Angela, keep going with the ministry because great breakthrough is coming. So I think, all right, I, I've never met these people. But I know Annalisa's preached there. And one time I went on to open my phone and it was on Facebook and I saw Annalise van Rensburg and I opened it and they were live streaming when she was teaching there. So I commented, I said, hey, Annalise, go for it, sis, I'm proud of you. And next minute on the live stream, I hear a voice saying, Hey, Annalise, John Wasserman says he's proud of you. Go for it. 
because she's sitting there with a live stream camera and saw me come online. She's going, John Wasserman, John, it's somewhere in Montana in America. I think Montana. And uh, so she goes, John Wasserman. So she leans on the pool, John Wasserman, are you watching me? So I'm going, yeah, I'm watching you, really proud of you and all this kind of thing. So it was Angela Boma and her husband, Chad, who leading that ministry. So something, you know, it happened in their lives. Um, Annalise contacted me. They were out snowmobiling, um, Chad and his best friend. And his best friend was killed in the snowmobile accident. Uh, avalanche hit them, and the best friend was killed. And she said, I wish you would phone Chad and Angela and just um, encourage them because it really broke him. So I did. I was on the phone for a long time chatting and things like this. So I had the number. So here I'm praying, and I just think, okay, obedience. So I just SMS because I don't feel like another 1,500 rand phone call. <laughs> Some sacrifices are great. So I'm going, and I type this message. Next minute, oh, my gosh. John Wasserman, some incredible thing has happened today. I've got to share with you. So we've set a time where she will phone me from Montana. As many as are by the Spirit of God, they are there. Is that okay? I want you to bow your heads and let's pray. And say, Lord Jesus, I am your son. I'm a child of God. I have your Holy Spirit. I need to be more led by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come lead me. Speak to me. Influence me. Guide me. Show me. Teach me. In Jesus' name. And so as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So it's the spirit of adoption. Now, Paul talks about something here. Is it okay if we just read through these verses and I write things on the board for you? Because you're going to get a picture of being led by the Holy Spirit and adoption that's going to really bless your socks off. I think. Anyway, it blessed mine. So he goes on to talk about it. And let's go back to verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're not in Christ Jesus, there is condemnation. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So when it comes to adoption, I want you to know that there is the law, there's the law of the spirit of life. But there's also the law of sin and death. Paul talks about the fact that in Christ, the sons of God who received adoption, we live here. The law of the spirit of life. We're not on this side. We were here. The law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit of of life. So let's carry on reading. And he, he talks about that you're free from the law. So for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, but we're not living there anymore. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he condemns sin and the sinful flesh in order that the what? The righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. So what is met in us now? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. You do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So let's put righteousness here now. So the thing about the spirit of adoption, it comes to people who are righteous. Okay? So we have the righteousness of God in Christ. And then he continues. And he says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 
So in other words, the law of the spirit of life can be summed up and call it spirit. This is the life in the spirit. So we live according to the spirit. We don't live according to the what? To the flesh. <laughs> this is going to get even better. Amen? So spirit and flesh. And so what Paul says here, he talks about the mind. The mind. If your mind is set on what the spirit desires, you will be in the spirit. If your mind is set on what the flesh desires, you will walk in the flesh. So depending where you are has got a lot to do with your mind. So your mind will either be on the flesh or your mind will be on the spirit. Now we are talking about as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now if you were listening carefully, class, I already gave you the first key. A key to being led by the Spirit is it depends where your mind is. So Paul says, you know, have this mind among you. Paul talks about the fact that we have the mind of Christ. So we need to think the way that God thinks about us. He thinks that we are Christ. Is that okay? So we need to have the mindset that I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. I have the spirit of adoption. We need to have that mindset in us. But then Paul also talks about it in Philippians 4. He says, brethren, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is of good report, think on these things. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. So it's where is your mind? So listen, you can switch. The mind is the switch. Is that okay? To whether you walk and act and live naturally, just as a worldly person, a carnal or, or a babe in Christ, but the more you switch your mind over to the Christ life, to living according to the Spirit, the more in the Spirit you will walk. Is that okay? So let me just ask you something. So if I am in fear and anxiety and all of these kinds of things, where is my mind? If I'm worried, if I'm anxious, if I'm distracted, you know, but because it says, that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Is that okay? What is your mind full of? That will depend where you walk, natural or spiritual. In the olden days. Okay. I maybe shouldn't have said that, eh? Uh, because I still think it's true. It's just, you know, my dad used to work out on the railway lines in, in Zimbabwe. And often, if it fell into the school holidays, I would go out with him and said, he used to work what they called a 10-day fortnight. So it was 10 days at work, four days at home, 10 days at work. And often, he lived in a caboose, a, a railway wagon that was fixed up like a house, and they would pull it into a siding, and then from there, he'd work up and down the railway line. And um, uh, I used to love it because they would get on these things. I don't know if you saw them in the cowboy days, you know, on those wagons. You go down the railway line. Well, it was it was after that. You know, we were modern. We had motors on them. No, no, but we still had those things as well. So you were on a rail in the siding, and then right at the end, those rail, those the detour would go into the main line, and they had a thing called switch gear, you know, or points. And um, so you go ching 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 until it you came to the corner, and before you could get onto the main line. Before you could get into the main line, you had to get, and there was this big lever thing with a big round weight on it. And then you would like, eh, eh, you'd have to unlock it first. You go, eh, 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 and it would click over. And as it clicked over, the railway lines would, 
um, connect onto the main railway line. Then you'd be able to go. Then you'd have to stop and put the line the other way as you derail the train. And then you'd watch the timetable because there's an oncoming train soon. So you'd have to go until you got to a station, you know, another siding. Then you'd jump or flick the points into the station, and then the train would come past, and so on. A long story to tell you this. Depending which line you're on is where your mind is. Is that okay? So you need to like get onto the main line, all right? You know, so flick the switch. So the mind. So the first key to being led by the Spirit of God is where is your mind? Change your mind. Change your thinking. So he says the mind governed by the flesh, he says is what? The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is? Shout it out. Woo! Is what? Life. And peace with God. Is that okay? Can you see the benefits of where your mind is? So the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The mind of the flesh is death. There'll be death in your thinking. Your situations, your circumstances will be death. There's no life in a mind that is not on Christ. That is not on the things of God. That is not on the principles of His Word. There's only death there. Come on, church. An absence of peace is a death situation. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are you getting something? He says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. I'm going to put it in another way. Can I explain this in another way? Hostile to God. The mind of the flesh thinks the things of God are stupid or crazy or nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. Therefore, it's easier to do things your own way. The mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not make sense. But the mind of the spirit is friends with God. I'm just putting my own word. Okay, just call it friendly to God. It makes sense to you. The mind of the flesh thinks, devalues spiritual things. I'm not talking about this church because it's getting quieter now. I'm talking about people on live stream. You must know. You must know. I'm never bashing you up. So, you know, everybody come back. Come back because I could just feel you going down, down, down. Mm, it's Pastor John. No. So I'm just showing you to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to switch our minds over. We need to be meditating the Word, speaking the Word, thinking the Word. We need to have the view of ourselves that God has of us. Is that Okay. So the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Prophet Kerbis would often say it. It's not me. I'm just reading the Bible. Okay? Just reading the Bible. So we need to take charge of our minds and determine what our minds are going to be full of because the resultant fruit will either be this side or this side. All right, so let's continue a little bit. <laughs> so he says this, you are ever not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We are in the realm of the Spirit. Yeah. Okay, start getting excited now. Yeah. He says, 
If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, He does. Let's just check. He lives in me. Amen. If indeed the Spirit lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ, but you have. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Woo! So the one is life. We're back to this again. Life. And the other one is death. He's repeating himself. What he's trying to do is say, listen, I said before you, choose. Yeah, that was good. That, I mean, that was really good, wasn't it? I only thought of it now. I didn't think of it in my preparation. Okay, so he's saying, I said before you, life and death, choose life by changing your mind. Okay, we're talking about Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Okay, so let's continue a little bit more. Can we carry on a little bit more? Okay, now I've got to just check where he says this because he talks about something. Verse 10, I'm going to go to the King James translation right there and have a look at verse 10. In verse 10, he says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Oh my goodness. He talks about life. He talks about death. So he talks about it over here. The body is dead because of sin. Now I want to just talk you through it very quickly, okay? Romans chapter 7, second last verse. The apostle Paul says, who will rescue me from the body of this death? Okay? The body of this death. In Romans chapter 6, stepping back where he talks about water baptism, he says he also refers to this as the old man. Not your father. Yes. The old man. So the old man, he says, the body of this death. Then he talks about it. He says, when you were baptized, he says, before you baptized, you know, the sinful body. He talked about the sinful body. But then immediately after water baptism, he says, you don't surrender, you know, your mortal body as instruments of righteousness. So I want you to know that the mortal body is a body subject to immortality, but you're no longer having the sinful body. You have got a mortal body. This is subject to immortality. That is only subject to corruption. Is that okay? So I want to show you life in the Spirit delivers you out of the complexity of this that where even your physical being can lead you and dictate to you. He said, I condemn sin in the flesh. I couldn't help it. My body made me do it. It was like when Daniel was little, he didn't want to eat his vegetables. Daniel, you must eat your spinach, you must eat your vegetables. I can't. Why not, Dan? My arms are too tired. <laughs> Let me just help your arms. Are they working? Yes, Dad. Okay. Are you all following me so far? Is this picture making sense to you? Then he goes on and he says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your what? Your mortal body. So over here will be quickened. 
your body will be quickened. That word quicken, the Jewish theologians would say this, the word quicken there, the, the, the word that they use for quicken in the Hebrew means resurrected. Is that okay? And not after death necessarily. That word quicken is never used of the unrighteous dead. He'll quicken your mortal body. This one will stay dead. This one will die. Okay? It will die dead. All right. So therefore, we are dead is not in the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Now I'm just going to slow down a little bit. Are you all following me so far? So the Apostle Paul talks about this. And he talks about the fact you know, that left-hand side of the board, the right-hand side of the board. We're still talking about led by the Spirit. I've given you major keys this morning. Major keys. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14, we take it completely out of context. Completely. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's part of it. For example, I was sharing with you as I was walking around the house, and the Lord just put Chad and Angela on my heart. And gave me a word for them which I shared with them. I was led. People in the world can't be like that. But that doesn't make me a son of God. It's a fruit of being a son. But Romans 8.14, what is he talking about? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So what is he talking about? He's talking about all those who have the Spirit... And are led out of that to that. They are the sons of God. The leading of the Spirit primarily is to take you out of the old death life and into the new spirit life. It's taking you out of non-adoption, non-sons of God, into a place of being sons of God. He's taking you out of a mind that is set on this into a mind that is set on that. In other words, he's leading you out of sin into righteousness. Look at the person next to you and say, this is really good. It's really good. To be biblically correct, we need to put it in its context. So the leading of the Spirit is out of this side into this side. The Spirit of adoption as sons takes you out of your old life, out of wickedness, out of unrighteousness, and He's taking you into sonship. He's taking you into the Spirit. Is that okay? And so that is where we need to be. Woo-hoo! Amen. So the one says, and that's the Spirit, okay? The whole life of the Spirit. I need to bring it in because he, he brings it in as a, a big thing here. And so the Holy Spirit. Now he's taking us out of the old into the new. He sums it up now. And he says he's taking you out of a place where we are slaves. He's not giving you that spirit of fear where we are slaves again to fear. And what is the fear? The fear is the fear of judgment. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they were afraid. Naked and afraid, so they hid. What were they afraid of? Judgment. Why? Because God said, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. So John says in 1 John chapter 4, perfect love casts out all. He casts out the fear of judgment because he says fear, because fear has to do with judgment. 
And on the day of judgment, we will have confidence because as he is now, so are we in this world. In other words, Jesus is never going to face judgment. We will never face a negative judgment. So the day of judgment, we will have confidence because our judgment will be righteous, holy, children of God, wada, wada, wada. So there's no fear of judgment in us. And if there is a fear, it's connected to judgment. But perfect love, understanding the perfect love of God, what He did for me on the cross, casts out that fear. And He goes, son, there's no judgment for you because you are righteous. Okay, so the Spirit. And He says, slaves again to fear. Over here, you receive the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a family term. It's a familial thing in the sense that it's connected to family. So you're saying you receive the spirit of adoption, so you're family. Now that same spirit will start to say, Father, you're my father, you're my father. So the whole revelation of the spirit, listen, you've got to listen to this. In other words, he's leading you out of a place of slavery to fear, out of a position of non-adoption, out of a position of orphanhood into adoption into the family of God and the Holy Spirit is teaching you how to live as a son of God and he's saying come on let me lead you out of that lead you into this okay and so he's taking us out of slaves again to fear to the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba father okay now let's just talk through to seal the deal and then wrap up he says this in verse 13, if you live after the flesh, verse 13, you shall die. If through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. What do you say, mortify? You know, if you talk about a mortal wound, it's like saying a fatal wound. In other words, you're going to lose your mortality because of a mortal wound. So to mortify the works of the flesh means to kill them. And he tells us how, if there are any works or acts or deeds of the flesh, we mortify it by the Spirit and walk as sons. The Spirit helps us to mortify the works of the flesh. A lot of times... This is what we've been doing as Christians. We go, Jesus, kill my flesh. Kill it dead. And he's going, no, I gave you the spirit for you to do that. Is that okay? So you kill the works of the flesh. Now, so we try. We try and we pray. I kill the flesh. Flesh, die in Jesus' name. And the flesh doesn't die. Because the next time somebody cuts you off in traffic, the next time someone offends you, you discover the flesh. Da -na -na -na. And you think, oh, where did that come from? Isn't that right? But how do you, it was quickened. <laughs> yeah, it received a quickening, the flesh. But, but how do you kill? Paul tells us the only way to kill it is by the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. And that is something you have to consciously, continuously do. You can't go, when it pops up, go, die, flesh, die. What we've got to do is teach ourselves how to live in the Spirit. 
So you teach yourself how to go, bless you, bless you. May you go to heaven. <laughs> the next time they cut in front of you. Speak blessings of you. May you go to heaven and may it be quick. Yeah. Just don't involve <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm, no, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> but I mean, Paul does say bless and do not curse. Go to hell. You go to hell. No, go to heaven, but go quick. Get saved before you get there. And so by the Spirit, it's something proactive that you do. So the more you live in the Spirit, the more this dies, the more, the less this there is. Is that okay? And so he says, by the Spirit, you do mortify. So let's carry on. He says, uh, if you live after flesh, you shall die. If the Spirit, you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Listen to this. The next word is what? For. For. What do you say? For. What is the for there for? Well, it just connects us to this other verse. And he's saying, so as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So in other words, as I'm led because I'm a son, I mortify the works of the flesh. Therefore, I will live and not die. Everybody following now? We're still talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is the mind. The second thing is mortifying the works of the flesh. The works of flesh, when we blow it, when we sin, it's not defining who we are. We are still children of God. It's almost like a residue still of the old nature. It's almost like, you know, the tree has been cursed, the root has been cut, and it's just those last bit of leaves and last bit of fruit that are still pushing out before they fall off. But the the root. So we are not sinners. We sometimes commit acts of sin. That's why it's called the works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, because we're a different tree now. Good? Okay. So he says adoption, so it's mortify. So for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the spirit in us is constantly witnessing to us that we are children of God. If at any time you feel anything other than that, that is not the witness of the Spirit. So the Spirit, Jesus called the paraclete, which also means the advocate. 1 John 2 verse 1 and 2, John says we have an advocate in heaven, that's Jesus. Jesus in John 14 is saying you've got an advocate inside of you. So we've got an advocate in heaven who speaks to the Father on our behalf and says they are the righteousness of God in Christ whenever there's an accusation. But you have an advocate on the inside of you that is defending you to you. He's defending you to you when you feel condemned. He's going, no, keep going. You're a child of God. You can get through this. Come on, go, go. He's bearing witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. Amen. 
so that we have that inner witness inside of us. So now listen, listen, I just need to push it to the end and then just chuck a couple of things in. And the end part is this, the rest of the chapter. The Apostle Paul talks about this whole thing here is unfolding. This whole thing about sons of God and adoption. And he pushes it all the way down. And he starts to talk about the fact that, well, you know what? I just want to tell you that even creation is in travail. Even creation is praying for us. Even creation is saying, we want to see this life. And he said, and even we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, are also groaning and travailing with words that cannot be expressed. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the revealing. We're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen? So even inside of us, there's a longing, there's a dissatisfaction where I can't accept the status quo with where I am now to what I'm reading in the Word. But not only that, the Spirit Himself is interceding for us with words, inutterable groans. And what is He groaning and longing for? The full measure, the full stature of Christ. Is that good? And so what is it all about? All of that intercession is about this, this, this. But we can't only rely on the intercession. We need to do it ourselves. We need to switch our minds over. Amen. We need to be led out of. So let's just very quickly. Does that all make sense? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That word led. Led has got three descriptions. or Let's call it three parts. Number one. The word led can mean like the way you would lead children. So, you know, it talks about it in Hosea 10 where God says, it was I. I taught Israel how to walk. I led them with cords of human kindness. I took them by the hand. I taught them. And so the teaching is teaching them principles. It's teaching them, you know, training them as children. You're teaching them life lessons. So you're taking them by the hand and you're leading them, instilling lessons. And God said to the Israelites, when you're sitting down, when you stand up at night in the morning, just keep repeating the word. Keep teaching your children the thing of, you know. And then Proverbs says, and as they're growing, they will not depart from it. Is that okay? So the first thing of leading is taking a child by the hand and instilling the power of the word and the power of good principles in them. And then you get to them a point and then you say, now walk in it, go. And then you watch and monitor from a distance until you don't have to watch anymore. That is, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, holy ones of God, that is exactly what I'm doing now. It's the teaching of the word. And the Spirit says, I will lead you into all the truth of the word. I will repeat the word. I will remind you the word. That's why we have teachers. That's why we need to be taught. And that is the teaching and the training of us. And then it's saying, all right, now, Walk in that word. As many as are led by the Spirit, living the word, they are the sons. Prophet, what do you say? What does God say? Prophet, you know, what does the word say? 
Do I tithe or don't I tithe? What does the word say? You don't need a prophecy for that. Do I forgive that ugly person who was mean to me or do I not? What does the word say? The word has got a lot to say about your life. So the word, the spirit leads you by the word. Do the word, do the word. I'm training you up in the word that you no longer as infants tossed to and fro by all every wind of doctrine. Walk, live the word. Second, second word, yeah, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. You know, so amen. The second thing is, it's leading by connecting person to person. In other words, you'll be led by becoming possessed with the Holy Spirit. It's person on person leading. It's almost like when you're walking with somebody, it's almost like you've got enough money to hire a life coach and they live in the house. And they cook for you, otherwise known as your wife. Always give you very good advice. Amen. It's just very costly, though. It'll cost you everything you have, but you'll get a lot of wisdom. Okay. <laughs> but imagine, ima- and that is it, and that's the other one. So listen, Paul is talking about here is all the influences of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can influence you with His presence or a sense of the lack of His presence. The Spirit can influence you with a a sense of His delight concerning something and the sense of the the fact that He's not so delighted about a thing. It's like if you're gossiping about someone, while you're gossiping, it feels really nice. Because the Bible says in the Proverbs, you know, gossip is like a choice meal or choice meat that goes down, morsel that goes down in and nourishes all the part. And it's like, ooh, and then you walk away and then you've got this heavy sick feet and you think but uh, you know nobody in ACA I, it's my experiences with past churches you know crucify the pastor he can't defend himself so you know it's like that heavy heartedness when you walk away from a situation you say yeah, I just blew that conversation I didn't handle that right where you go oh, that sense of disappointment You know, that almost grieved feeling, Ephesians 4, grieve not. The Holy Spirit's got feelings. The Holy Spirit inside of you has feelings. Paul says, I feel with you with the affections of Christ. And we need to be attuned to the Spirit inside of us because he leads us by person-on-person contact. Listen, that's how you used to live when you were in the world. Is this all making sense to you? I'm trying to get to some of the practical nuts and bolts. We've done the theology. So I'm trying to get to some of the practical nuts and bolts. So, so you used to live like this. Paul says it in Ephesians 2. All of you, when you were dead in your transgressions and sin, lived under the spirit of wickedness, that spirit of disobedience, that, that spiritual atmosphere that was over the world. He said all of us followed its desires and its cravings, and we gratified its uh, lusts, its wants, its appetite. And we all lived that way, lived it according to the flesh. A little while ago, we were having lunch at Harper's. And uh, fortunately for this brother, we never met him, but we know a little bit about him because Bev and I walked out the door and Bev said, oh, look, and there was a wallet laying on the floor. And we opened it, and there was some money inside. woo and uh, there was his driver's license and bank cards and all kinds of things. Do you know there was not anything inside of us that said, take the money and hand in the wallet? This, it just doesn't. Yeah. But there was a time, not us, of course, we were born holy, <clears throat> especially Bev. 
And no, it's not the first time I found a wallet full of money. But, you know, sometimes I did stupid things and go and give it to the bus driver. I found this wallet and he's going, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'll give it to him. <laughs> and I just realized, stupid. <laughs> we should have done what we did now. And uh, so it was like we took it and we walked around looking to see if everyone was just starting a continent. And uh, in Harper's, there's a man by the name of Blessed. Yeah, and we went and we said, blessed, we walked out the door and he said, no, thank you, Pastor John, I'll sort it out. And he said, just leave it here because they'll come looking and, and uh, we'll find him. And when we went back the next time, he said, oh, Pastor John, concerning that wallet, he said, I called Nomfela over, we counted the money, so that accountability. He says, and then Nomfela came up with a brilliant idea, there was a, an Edgar's card or a something card in there. And uh, she went across to Edgar's. She has a friend, and they scanned the card, and we got the guy's name and phone number. And we phoned him, and we said, your wallet is here. All your cards and this amount of money is in it. You understand what I'm saying? There was no thing inside that went, whoopie-doo, let's take the money, because they won't know, and just hand in the wallet, shame, poor guy. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. No, I'm serious. Ask Neddy in this church. He was held up at gunpoint. He was catching a taxi. Everyone in the van was armed. They stripped him, beat him. And uh, he said the only thing he was worried about, he said, God told him you'll never be shot. He said, but some of them had knives. So he was quickly praying and saying, Lord, does that include knives? Because <laughs> I don't want to be stabbed either. And he, was, he had just drawn 10,000 rand because God told him that's what he has to sow in the church. They duffed him up, they took his money, and all kinds of things. And they were all, they were playing Christian music, and they were all saying, hey, pastor, you've been a great blessing to us today, because he had another envelope with a couple of hundred rand in it, and said, pastor on it, and that was for me. And they took that, so when it's all pastor, they thought he'd been given it, looking, hey, pastor, you really blessed us today. They all put their guns and knives away, and they put their feet on them, and they held him down. They stripped him naked and dropped him in Heidelberg, and he had to hike back, praise and worship all the way. God's really blessed us through you. It's very quiet now. It's very quiet now. That's people that live here. But we live here. So person on person, there's none of that inside. It's, it, it doesn't even awaken. And when there's a negative, you feel the, eh, you feel the, uh, you feel the heavy heartedness. And it's like, and it leads us to change. Last one. Last one. Led can also mean taking the hand of a person and leading them, i.e. as in a blind person. There are times when we don't sense any of this. I shared it with, it was just one of the testimonies I shared. There's many that I could share, but, but there was a time, every time I went to pray, the Lord would say, sort out your tax, sort out your tax. They're going to arrest you, sort out your tax. But I kept saying to the Lord, but I drive to Germiston, and the guy that looks after W's, Wasserman, etc., he's the guy. I would take all the finances, put all the books down, and say, this is the income, this is my salary, this, and he'd go, ah, oh, no, pastor, whatever. And he'd fill in everything for me. He even filled in my tax return forms and everything, and it was just my signature. And fortunately, I didn't realize I was being led by the Spirit. But he was doing my tax all wrong. And I didn't know, so I trusted the guy. He works in SARS. You know, 
And so he would fill out my tax forms and everything year after year after year. But every time I'd come pray, the Lord would say to me, the Spirit would say to me, sort out your tax, you're going to get arrested. Sort out your tax. I'm going like, what? You know, it's like, I don't understand. And then I remembered years before somebody had spoken about this particular guy, an accountant, but he's a tax lawyer and everything like this. So I phoned him, made an appointment, went there, sat down with him, and I put the books and I said, this is the guy's name, and so I was, this is this, this is this. And I said, I'm just uneasy about my tax. And he started looking, and he said, <laughs> You know, it's like if you hear a noise in your car, you lift the bonnet, you ask a mechanic to look at it. And he looks and he goes, You can just see the bull going. So he's looking at my tax and all this, and he's going, he's going, hey, pastor. He said, let me phone them quickly, the investigations department. Yeah, yeah, now I've got Pastor Wasserman sitting here, da, 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 da. He goes, oh, okay, please hold the file. I'm sending someone now to take it. I'm taking over his case. Put the phone down. He said, they just drawn your file for investigation. It's in the guy's hand as I phoned him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the spirit. <laughs> I even got tax rebates. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Fixed all the tax. And from then to now, he does my tax. So there was nothing from the word. There was no impression. I was totally blind. And the spirit said, come, let me lead you blind, man. Sort out your tax. So the whole realm of the visions and the prophetic and everything can come in. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they did you get something? We could drive it more, we could push it more, but we'll pick it up another time. We need this. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need, you need. There's a, a couple who are in business and they sowed an amount of money into the building account many years ago. And the Lord led me to sow the entire amount. So all the money they sowed into the building account, I sowed it all. And uh, we had coffee and he asked me why I did it and I told him why I did it. And then he sowed another amount of money, three-fifths of that money I sowed. And he asked me why I did it and I told him he was happy with it. But we were sitting and when he was wanting to sell off the majority shares of his business, he approached a particular company and they went all the route of, I think he almost went as far as signing, but the negotiations were deep into these investors buying into his company. Multiplied millions of rands. Then he phoned me and he said, I want you to pray with me because I have such an uneasiness in my spirit. I don't know if this is the right decision, but it's almost too late to pull out. So I said, let's have coffee. So we met. So we sat at Mug and Me, and I said, what are you sensing? I said, at all costs, obey that and back out. They even then threatened him with legal action. But God rescued him because another company stepped in who also had a bit of muscle, and they kind of influenced this company, and they eventually dropped it without the legal thing. And got the buyout that he wanted, and it was all cash. It wasn't part cash, and so many years more cash, and so many years more cash. And by the way, we'll give you majority shares in this company. So we were sitting having coffee the other day, and he said, Yo, 
John, remember that incident? I said, I remember, I remember it so well. Because we prayed together after we had coffee and just agreed that God had given the wisdom for to negotiate and lead through. We're sitting having coffee. And then he said, remember that company that wanted to buy? And I had the check in my spirit about it. And he says, and I, I managed to get out of it. I said, yeah, no, I remember it well. He said, you remember how they were going to just give me a little bit of money and then, you know, a little bit later, a little bit of money and give me majority shares. So I said, yeah. He said, that company is more or less done a belly up with the whole Steinhoff company thing. Massive big company. It's gone belly up. He said, you know, at the time when they offered me shares, their share price was like one rand 37 a share, something like that. He said, now their share price is 28 cents. What would that have done to my investment and buy? I looked and I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. How did the Holy Spirit lead him through the there's no scripture verse for that. That's person on person. That's, let me take your hand, you blind to this. Let me lead you out. You understand? He would have been worth less than a fifth of what he's worth now because of that company. And then I was able to slip a little thing in. I said, remember the money you sowed, I sowed? And I said, without giving you cash, God gave you a bucket load of cash. He said, you're right. I said, because that seed was twice sown. What you sowed to the church, we sowed. Everybody following me? You need the Holy Spirit. We live in a world that's wicked. We need to be walking out of this into that. Did you get enough? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to just begin to just, just talk to the Holy Spirit. God never intended us to live as Christians in our own power, without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. We need to become sensitive to Him. We need to become sensitive. I'm going to use a word, and I don't want you to get the wrong um, concept out of it. We need to learn to be sensitive to the moods of the Holy Spirit. He's not moody, but He has a mood. He has feelings. And if he's got feelings, he can, if it's person on person leading, he can influence you with his feelings. You can just have a sense, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't go there, I mustn't leave now, I mustn't, I must slow down. I must slow down on the, on the highway. I must, no, I, must, I must take this road left, I mustn't go straight. The Holy Spirit has got moods. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, I'm mixing two things in here. I'm mixing in the theology of Romans into Romans 8.14. But you've been trained up in the Word. Just do the right thing according to the Word. But then I'm also taking it that step further and saying, come on, we need to walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Walking around your workplace, driving around, being sensitive to the Spirit, being sensitive to people around you. What is God saying? How is He trying to lead you? Andrew Murray and others were so attuned to that. Charles Finney. They were so attuned to that. There's a story about Andrew Murray was walking along the road with a group of people. And then he just stopped. Stopped dead. And then he started walking backwards. And he walked backwards for many, many meters. Until somebody said to him, what are you doing? He said, I walked out of the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
So I'm just going backwards to where I last felt him. And then he turned and he went down a street onto his right. And he said, no, he went down this way. How do we walk? In a consciousness of the Spirit? Or we're just wrapped up in our own world? So Holy Spirit, we're asking you, come lead us. Come guide us. Come influence us. In Jesus' name. I want you to raise your hands. Put your hands up in a position of receiving. It, it raised hands, palms up or palms forward is very much a receiving attitude. It's an attitude of surrender. It's an attitude of praise and honor. And I want you just to talk to the Holy Spirit. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. Holy Spirit, just come. Fall on us fresh, fill us fresh, touch us fresh. We acknowledge your Lordship. We acknowledge our dependence on you. We acknowledge the fact. We acknowledge the fact. We need you. We can't do this Christian thing without you. Can't. We are sons of God and we want to live up to that description. We want to live up to that title. We want to live up to that truth. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We want to cooperate with the intercession of the Spirit, with the cry of our own hearts, with the travail of creation. And we want to see the sons of God come forth in Jesus' name. I just want to declare over you the leading of the Holy Spirit, that in truth you'll be led forth, that as a child weaned from law, you've been trained on the sincere and pure milk of the Word, that you move from the milk to the meat of the Word, understanding instruction and training and righteousness, that that Word would have a power in your life to rise up in the right times, that the Spirit of God would illumine the Word to you, that you'd be led by the Word. And number two, I declare over you that person upon person influence where you will begin to discern and detect and sense the moods and the feelings and the attitudes of the Holy Spirit, where you would sense His pleasure or displeasure, the heaviness of heart or the nearness or the sense of absence of His presence concerned something, and that you would be able to read it clearly. I just speak of your dreams and visions and the clarity of His voice that you would know in every way the leading of the Holy Spirit. That as you pray in tongues and you interpret in tongues, that you would prophesy back to yourselves, leading in direction. That you would hear that still small voice in the mighty name of Jesus. That the sons of God might rise up. That we might be manifest on this planet, on this earth, in the name of Jesus. That we can bring blessing to others and life to others as sons of God. Because we've received the spirit of adoption into the family of God. And we cry, Abba, Father. You've not received the spirit of fear again to slavery, but you've received the spirit of adoption. May you know the witness of the spirit in your spirit in Jesus' name.